You're listening to the Free Oromia podcast, dedicated to amplifying the voices of freedom. Thanks for tuning in to the Free Oromia podcast. Visit our website at freeoromia.org. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Team Free Oromia and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Team Free Oromia. You can also give us a call on the Free Oromia podcast hotline at 430-755-0727 and leave us a voicemail asking us questions or giving us your feedback. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Free Oromia podcast, a podcast dedicated to amplifying the voices of decolonization, freedom and independence. I am your host, Jal Angor, and I am joined uh, by my spectacular co-host, Jal Maro. Hello, my darling. Hello. It's nice to be back with you as always. I feel like we haven't recorded in a bit, so it's nice to be back in our virtual studio. Yes, it really is. Now that we've switched to this um, fortnightly schedule, bi-weekly for you Americans and, and others, um, it feels like we spend way too much time apart from each other. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like a different change of pace I was like oh when I saw you so I know yeah but thank you to our listeners for your grace and allowing us to shift things around a little bit in a way that works for us yes we appreciate that appreciate it very much and we appreciate that you're still rocking with us so um it's uh good to have you back if you're a returning listener uh and if you're new then we hope you stick with us um so Today, we are also joined uh, or rejoined by Jal Ragatu. Hello, Jal Ragatu. Woo! Hey, hey, hey. I'm very happy to be back. I'm very happy to see you guys. Wow. I'm way too comfortable. What the heck? Wow. <laughs> wow. She's back. She's back. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Wow, I almost want to restart that. Like, come on, more professionally. But that's, that's fine. No, 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 no. That is, that's perfect. That's like perfect. That's exactly what we like, exactly what we need. Mm-hmm. We need familiarity. Yes. Um, it's what works for us. So yeah. yes. we love it. Um, I don't know. Is it just me or like, are we all just having, it's kind of like gloomy over here. I know mm. it's like nighttime over there. You have, it's raining there too. And you have your... You have your blanket slash scarf. It's very rainy here today as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. we're yeah, having thunderstorms yeah. here. So yeah. yeah, experiencing the same it's... thing. I'm really rugged up, and I'm still cold to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> we're all in like different parts of the world, and that is connecting us today. It is. It is. Yeah, it's the a pain sign. and suffering of it's the cold. <laughs> well it's definitely not cold here it's like disgustingly hot and humid but nonetheless oh what do you mean then by it's gloomy like it's cloudy it's just yeah like it's it's still it's not too late but it's it's very dark and cloudy and rainy Mm -hmm. so Mm. yeah 
So some of our listeners might um, remember uh, Jal Ragato from when she first joined us on uh, episodes 13 and 14 um, to talk about why Oromia must be free and the current independence movement in Oromia. And we are very excited and honored to have Jal Ragato back with us again. Jal Ragato the visionary. Remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. And I will... I will nod and accept mm. gracefully the, the, lovely, <laughs> the lovely comment. Very good, as you should. Um, so before we get into today's episode, um, please do follow us on our social media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Team Free Oromia. And please also visit our website, freeoromia.org, and take the free Oromia survey. So let's get into it. Um, today's topic is about the prospect and applicability of a referendum for Oromia's political future and what the implementation of a referendum might look like in Ethiopia's tumultuous political context. Um, some of our listeners may be aware that Jalragato is a co-founder of the Walabumu Coalition. Um, and back in October last year, we held an online event together called Defining Freedom, Restitution of a Sovereign Oromia, to address a number of considerations around gaining independence from Ethiopia, um, including what legal precedents exist for Oromia to claim its right to sovereignty, um, alleviating fears surrounding the independence of Oromia, and recognizing that the reality in Ethiopia is really that of a failed state. And uh, one of the reasons why we did this event was to help set the scene for what's been an ongoing conversation around invoking Article 39 of the Ethiopian Constitution and holding a referendum for Oromia. Um, and Jadra Gatu, you wrote an article actually for the Awash Post a few months ago um, about using a referendum as a tool for securing a lasting political solution in Oromia and beyond. So our conversation today will be focused on the role that a referendum can play in bridging the unaddressed grievances of oppressed nations in Ethiopia and a real transition to democracy. Okay, so um, perhaps let's begin by defining what a referendum is um, for those who, who may not be aware um, and what we mean by referendum in in this particular context, in, in the context of, um, of Oromia and of Ethiopia. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start. Um, I do want to preface this with saying that as, uh, as we pay attention to and try and build our understanding around all things that are related to uh, improving our ability to respond to the political context in Oromia, the uh, referendum is one of those things that I, you know, have tried to pay attention to, but I am by no means an expert on these things. Um, but yeah, it, it is not to say that all of this you're about to hear is uninformed. It is to say that I've ne not necessarily done a master's degree on this, but um, we're going to give it our best attempt to, to let y'all into um, how I've been thinking about this and how we've been thinking about this. So yeah, referendum, I think is really easily defined as uh, a tool uh, a political tool to ascertain the views or the opinions of society at large 
as that society or state is striving to make some kind of change, some kind of political decision. Um, mm-hmm. So in the context of Romia or Ethiopia or any, or any state, a referendum could be used at any point in time where uh, government leadership or the people have expressed the need for some kind of decision to be made. Uh, mm-hmm. And there is the need to collect information, i.e. vote, on that decision to be able to take a step forward. Um, yeah, so I think that's, there, there is no different way of thinking about a referendum in the context of Ethiopia or me than you would, I think, in any other context. Um, mm. It's just the questions that that referendum would address would be relevant to the decision or the change that society is seeking. Um, and in this case, uh, as you had in uh, you had uh, articulated in the introduction jalango um the where we're talking about a referendum's applicability and the prospects of a referendum in helping us uh move forward politically in oromia um and that would be related to the people's desires for independence or some other formation of state and society and a referendum would be applicable there because um there's never been a moment of deciding what Ethiopia is or is not or what kind of state or society should exist uh, in an overarching sense across and around the people in Oromia and and, and wider Ethiopia. Um, so a referendum in our context, you know, could, in the future it can be used to in just like in any other, many other societies to decide again anything. But right now, we're talking about it in the context of deciding political future, particularly as it comes to state formation or society formation i feel like it's really it's really important to note that so i'm glad you did explain that for us like before entering into this conversation because i feel like sometimes sometimes i feel like we as a society have a tendency to overcomplicate things well not to say it's not complicated obviously we have a lot of complicated um political context and dynamics to work with and history, et cetera. But um, just even like the concept of a referendum, it's something that happens all the time in like, I mean, I have voted in multiple referendums and it will just be on the ballot along with, you know, when you're voting for elected officials sometimes. And so um, it's like, you know, if you think about it based on what you said, Jalragatu, it's like, a way to bring these types of uh, decisions directly to the people instead of having them gatekept by politicians Mm -hmm. who, especially in the context of Ethiopia, are not democratically elected. Um, And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's some helpful context as we get further into this discussion. Mm. It absolutely is, uh, and I think it uh, pretty perfectly sets the stage for for the next question, um, which is what makes a referendum a useful political solution for the Oromo nation? Yeah, um, I uh, I think I think that the the underlying like truth fact. Uh, reality that is really important 
uh, to grasp. It's really simple. It's not. I'm not saying grasp like it's a difficult thing to understand. It's just that Ethiopia is not a consensual project as a state. Mm-hmm. Um, so thinking about a referendum in the context of deciding uh, what Ethiopia is or is not to Oromia, what Oromia is or is not to Ethiopia, um, is really predicated in the truth, the fact, the reality that uh, Ethiopia was, its existence as an ideology, as a state, um, was brought upon millions of people by really a few people. Uh, and at every iteration of what Ethiopia has tried to uh, be as a state and as a nation, as a society, it's never, at, at no juncture did it ever give the decision of of uh, what it evolved, of what it wanted to become Ethiopia, I'm talking about Ethiopia, it never gave that opportunity to the people to decide what that should look like. Um, so I think a referendum is, it's only really possible, first of all, in a safe Oromia, uh, an Oromia that is not occupied, militarily occupied, politically op- occupied by the Ethiopian political center. Um, mm. And in that, in that, so it's kind of, it's kind of an official way for the people to decide what they want to be called, how they want to be recognized, how they want to organize themselves as a society. Um, but you can imagine that we probably have reached some site, some, some version, right, some place of what we'd call a sense of freedom before we'd even be able to, I think, take part in a referendum if that's what happens and if that's what people decide is the, is the most appropriate thing uh, for them to engage in, to, to be heard, right, as a society. Um, I think the most important thing really is that a referendum gives us the opportunity as a nation to officially decide, uh, and whichever way this decision goes, but to officially decide uh, who we are and who we are not to Ethiopia. Again, this is given that the referendum is addressing, and we're talking about it in that context that the referendum is addressing questions of uh, of nationhood, uh, which in and of inside that address questions of previous grievances and how we came into the context of of Ethiopia. So trying to undo some of that via uh, uh, answering the question of what we are, and what we are not to Ethiopia. Um, so even if, like, let's take the scenario, right, that there's a there's a independence referendum in Oromia and people decide not to go for independence, but choose another political formation. Uh, and what that political formation is would be determined by how that those questions are outlined in the vote, right? Um, and le- let's just say, hypothetically speaking, that the questions are outlined as become an independent state, become another, you know, confederation or um, form some other kind of uh, union with... Uh, other nations also vying for a sense of independence or stay as what Ethiopia currently is, the state formation currently is. Let's just say hypothetically those were the the Mm. questions asked, right? Um, It's still a useful political tool, even if one of the other, other than the independence route, was chosen by the people because the people chose it. Like at this point, if there isn't a juncture, as as we were saying earlier, there, there has been no juncture where the people have decided 
what this state formation is and or is not to them, what Ethiopia is or is not to them. There, there are just deeply opposing narratives, right? Um, who and 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 pe people groups who deeply believe that one is the truth and the other is not the truth. Everyone believes that from where they're looking at it, right? I really believe that you know the Oromo people experiencing an extended project of colonization and brutality at the hands hand of the Ethiopian state is the truth. It's irrefutable to me, right? And then there are people on the other side who believe that you know the complete opposite is is irref irrefutable. Um, so there 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 hasn't there hasn't been a juncture whereby the people have said, uh, you know, this is what this is essentially what we want uh, as as a national identity or you know again as a state. So even if the people chose to continue on uh, with Ethiopia as, as as it is, right? If that was the majority vote in Oromia, at least the people decided that, right? Uh, and at least the people participated in that decision. And at least there is a place to move forward from uh, where even that future can be informed by what the people want, right? Um, so aside from the result of the referendum in and of itself, like isolated from the process having benefit, right? Because if I'm wanting the independence route, I can say that the useful thing isn't just isn't the referendum in and of itself it's if i if we achieve independence via the referendum right but if we're thinking about how is a referendum as a tool a useful political solution for I me mean, it's it really is in the fact that it addresses uh that there has been no moment where ethiopia or some other variation of state formation was consensual chosen by the people gives that mm. opportunity mm collects that opinion and is bound to that opinion to, to what the people choose mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i hope that made sense friends <laughs> <laughs> that did make sense and so one thing i thought was really interesting about the article that you as jalango mentioned that you published in the awash post in april um was your focus on the fact that there was never because of the myth and this idea that you know Ethiopia has never been colonized or never experienced colonization the way that the rest of Africa has um there has never been a decolonization process in Ethiopia and for the nations and nationalities within Ethiopia's borders. So, you know, I could see some people who don't understand the full context, you know, if they happen to stumble across this conversation saying, well, why would you just have, like, why would a country just randomly have a referendum <laughs> to see if people still want to be part of the country? Like, you know, I can see how like, obviously, this is what we think about all the time. Like, we have this context that we just know it so clearly. But that's that's the whole point, right? Is that it's not just simply that, okay, people never decided if they want to be part of Ethiopia. But as you wrote, uh, Jalragatu, you know, this, this um, you know, these nations and nationalities, specifically, like, we're talking about Oromia, the Oromo nation that has been um, subject to colonialism, Abyssinian, Ethiopian colonialism, like 
as you wrote, the people have always resisted this. The people have always resisted this and never, you know, that resistance has been ongoing for decades, for over a century. And so um, this is, like you said, it's a solution to deal with this underlying and unresolved resistance to colonialism and the legacy of colonialism that has never been undone or, you know, addressed in any way. Mm. Um, and so it's not, it's not just an arbitrary referendum, but it's a referendum in direct response to the underlying root cause of all of the chaos that's happening right now, which is the colonialism, the, the colonial history of the country. Mm. Um, so, you know, we kind of are talking about Oromia, right? And then we're also talking about Ethiopia. So in your article, you wrote that a genuine referendum will give all the people living within the boundaries of Ethiopia the opportunity to decide whether, kind of like you outlined earlier, they remain a federation or rearrange the union into a confederacy or become entirely independent and stand alone or, um, you know, become independent but form other unions that are not necessarily directly related to the current borders of, of Ethiopia. So in this article, were you referring to a process that is encompassing of Ethiopia as a whole in some way and facilitated by the Ethiopian state? Or were you referring to specifically a referendum for Oromia and then through that there would be encouragement for parallel referendums or movements for referendums in other nations and nationalities? Definitely the latter, Jan Maro, uh, definitely the latter, because you brought up something really important where the fact that we as, as a nation, as the Oromo, have been resisting the project of Ethiopia for, as you said, like over a century, is reflected in the fact that a referendum would never ever be given by the, cent the, the Ethiopian political center to the entire country. Like, in fact, I think there are robust attempts by the political elite to even remove the only avenue uh, and the most like um, powerful avenue for uh, constitutionally even becoming an independent state, Article 39. Right there are mm -hmm. there's much talk about that even being being removed from the constitution. So um, there isn't a there isn't I don't think there is a prospect. I don't think there's a hope. I don't think there's a point in really engaging the Ethiopian state on such a question when they're they're so far they're on the end of you know when we can take the Orum, the war in Oromia and the war in Tigray as examples where even if semblances of uh, self-determination or sentiments of self-determination are expressed the the knee-jerk reaction is like violence in war right mm -hmm. um so i think i think for that article i was speaking um like maybe a little broadly and a little diplomatically and perhaps i can't really remember what i wrote fully in that but what i do <laughs> think is the most viable what is the most viable scenario um, is that if, if Oromia does get to a point where we can hold a referendum and um, that would require that the physical space of Oromia you know, is safe enough to do that, 
the decision made there would reverberate uh, into neighboring regions naturally, right? Just given how large this, our space is and how many other uh, uh, people's lands we border and border us. Um, so I think that whatever happens in Oromia should not by default decide uh, what happens in other regions. So the most, I feel like, consensual, democratic, just scenario would be um, that other people, and again, if we're in a context where Oromi is having a referendum, there's or we've already moved to a point where um, there is a sense of distinction, right, between what are currently the regions of Ethiopia. There is going to be a sense of military distinction because Oromi is going to be safe enough from the Ethiopian political and military apparatus to even have a referendum. Uh, and that means there are going to be de like major developments in other regions as well. That um, if we're in a position to con to to convene like such a public event as a referendum, then uh, we we should be in a position to have that conversation with other regions as well, and other regions to have those conversations amongst themselves and decide you know what what that looks like for them. So it's definitely the latter, Jalmaro, um, where. Yeah, people, the, the parallel effect be that other people, other regions, other people groups also start to think about uh, and and decide whether a referendum is the way to go for them for them in deciding their political fate and future as well. Uh, because what, again, what happens in Oromia is so consequential for everyone that's currently in the borders of Ethiopia because of, again, our size um, and, 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 uh, you know, our borders being shared amongst many different people groups. So I think, yeah, I, I think it would be most, it would be most in the spirit of creating something new that everyone is engaged in that process within their own context um, and that there is dialogue happening across all of those contexts. Um, but I don't think that, yeah, Ethiopia is the furthest, fur I mean, it would be, there would be some sense of like there would be some sense of this attempt that we all thought could have possibly well maybe not all of us well many of us thought could have possibly led to a different place when Abiy Ahmed came to power is what I mean right there would be if if um a referendum was possible uh th through via the Ethiopian state itself the Ethiopian government itself at this point um it would you know, Ethiopia would look very different to what it is now. I think we're the furthest thing away from that question coming, or an answer for that question coming from the Ethiopian state itself. It's, if it's if we have a referendum, it's going to be because we really fought for it, because we fought for the context for that to be possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I think I think we all definitely agree that um, <laughs> the that would probably be the hardest situation to deliver is having a genuine referendum that involved the whole of Ethiopia uh, on this topic, at least. Yeah. Yeah. This, you know, I think acknowledging that a referendum is necessary, you know, you have to first acknowledge that there are, that there are different views, you know, even at a basic level about, a certain question, right? And that we need to figure out what people think. Um, mm -hmm. But in, in the spirit of an empire 
the Ethiopian Empire is is really obsessed with uh, projecting to it like internally and then externally to everyone else that everyone thinks the same way, wants the same thing, and that's Ethiopia to prevail, to prevail against all odds. Um, and so, haven't you heard a, Ethiopia is prevailing? <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> haven't you heard the news? <laughs> Goodness, goodness, goodness. as the country like burns to the ground at their own hands yeah, but, right. okay. <laughs> yeah there there isn't there isn't the you know a minutia of self-awareness to allow for 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 something like a referendum to come out of that place mm. and it's also i think worth saying even if we were even if we were politically militarily you know you know significantly separate from ethiopia which we would have to be again for us to have the means right the resources the safety to be able to convene such a public vote i mean the site the site of organizing around a referendum would come under such heavy assault because of the implication of it right like you're sort of informally free, you've fought for it, you've kind of roughly outlined, you know, your borders and, you know, you've, you're, you're, you're able to define your freedom in those tenses, um, but then to use a language that's, that's universally understood, um, that, you know, people can relate to around the world and to be able to define your freedom in that tense, like whatever capacity you know, the Ethiopian political center, again, had left militarily, I think would be, would rain down on Oromia or any other region um, in currently as part of Ethiopia that tried to strive towards a referendum, right? So, I mean, you'd hope that if you're stepping, if you're going in that direction that, you know, you you can secure your people and your borders and, and keep it safe enough to, to, to proceed. Um, but I, I just wanted to like highlight how much of a threat something like that happening uh, would be to the Ethiopian formation. Just Ethiopia as an ideology, Ethiopia as a state, Ethiopia as it exists. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So it would be something we've, we'd fight for and you'd need to fight to even maintain. And... Mm. Yeah, and uh, I think what's interesting as well is that um other nations and nationalities um are also speaking about um holding referendums um in their own regional states um particularly in Tigray since the civil war began there there's been a huge shift um in uh the political narrative uh from Tigray's uh, leadership um, and they're making more and more um, statements about Tigray's political future um, only being able to be secured um, through holding a referendum and deciding on whether to um, separate from the Ethiopian Empire. So um, I think we're already witnessing a shift in uh, attitudes um, across Ethiopia. We're already witnessing a shift amongst nations and nationalities um, across Ethiopia in regards to their uh, willingness to hold referendums and to assess the will of the people within their respective regions um, 
for for the future, the political future um, of uh, of their people. Um, so you know, it's an interesting thing to witness uh, that um, Ethiopia seems to be losing uh, investment um, across the country. No, definitely. I mean, I think even like wasn't it just a couple months ago? I forget exactly when that the Gambella Liberation Front, you know, mm. was like organizing. And so it's it's definitely not. Um, obviously, I think the Oromo situation in question is certainly different, but um, it's mm. not this desire for self-determination and and the genuine right to choose like the future of our nation is not unique to us. Like this is something mm. that other nations and nationalities are also grappling with. So mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so why don't we delve a little deeper into the options that were outlined um, in the article? Um you mentioned the options of a confederation um, as uh, an alternative to uh, remaining in the current uh, federal arrangement uh, and, of course, also becoming entirely independent and sovereign um, and choosing um, other forms of, of unions um, from uh an independent and and sovereign position um so what would you say to critics that say that the majority of the population isn't educated enough to assess these options properly uh, and make an informed decision uh i really really hope that no one would say something like that because it's just so um i mean it's such a derogatory and like undermining way to to view a population because it's you're not really i don't think the question is people are uneducated about these political options because the process of a referendum or a vote actually even an election in any country in any context is coupled with like a large-scale public education public uh uh or, or people of each side making their arguments to the public and asking them to pick a side, right? So that happened anywhere. I think if people are saying that about the capacity of the Oromo people, uh, you know, I, I guess I guess in the context of this criticism, right? You're thinking a, a, a largely rural population, a largely rural population on the continent of Africa. Uh, their capacity to make such a decision it's really what people are asking is can can such people really know what's best what's best for themselves can such people really make a decision um so consequential and do that right right um because again like what would lead up to such a vote as would happen anywhere in the world uh is the options would be laid out the consequences of those options would be explained um and people and anywhere else in the world you trust the people right to be able to weigh those options up and pick what's best for them and if people are assuming that something like that can't happen uh can't happen in the context of Oromia uh, or even other regions in in Ethiopia 
um, then this is really speaking to what those critics or those criticisms believe, but the inherent intelligence and ability to reason of the people themselves, uh, which is, as we know, it's, it's not an unfound, it's not a belief that does not exist. This belief does exist. Um, and it is a belief that has um, fueled the activities of much of the world's relationship um, to, the, to the global south, to Africa. Uh, the African continent, black people, people of color across the world. So um, yeah. I, I think also like, you know, those, uh, if I can take this opportunity to articulate where, what I'm thinking about the revel- relevance of those options that you out- outlined, um, that, that, you know, possibility of a referendum asking those questions, right? Um, I think that, uh, you know, that the people, by the time we get to a point where something, again, I've said this a couple of times, and so I'm sorry to kind of sound like a broken record, but I, by the time we get to a point where something so large scale is possible, right, like a, like a, a national vote amongst millions of people, um, I think the most uh, liberation-aligned action to take is that by the time we get to that point, society is somewhat organized at locales, at grassroots levels across Oromia, um, that yeah. what what is constructed around and over us, I keep using that language because that's how I visualize it in my head, right? A state is something, it's like a, it's kind of like an arch, like a rainbow, right? That connects all the dots together and uh, across, you know, the diversity of a society. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. I think there is also the option um, that amongst in in Oromia there is a large a large vote like a referendum to decide, um, you know, what the might like what the I guess the how that arch how that state operates and it doesn't necessarily have to look like what states have operated or are operating like around the world right now. Like mm-hmm. I think it's possible mm-hmm. to use this tool of a referendum um, to form something that is not your traditional nation state, but is mm. resembles more so what would mean freedom for like a, 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 an indigenous population of millions of people, which on its land exists, you know, diversity of even people groups and, you know, um, interest groups and, uh, religion, it, many things like just diversity. Let me not mm. expand too much off of that. So what mm. I'm saying here is like, yeah, it, a referendum is typically thought of, especially independence referendums are typically thought of as, you know, stay in state, not stay in state, other formation of state. But if by the time we even get to the point of a referendum, like we get to the point of being able to organize for a referendum, mm. and we are, we are up until getting there, have been organizing, people have been building social systems, political systems, even economic systems at grassroots levels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it's the vacuum of power at the top, at that, at that hierarchical top, could be quite small, that the decision, mm-hmm. the question being asked at that top um, isn't like the be-all and end-all of what Oromia is or is not, because Oromia has actually been built up until they're by mm-hmm. the people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not make the decision, then build Oromia top down it's mm. you know or is being built as it's being liberated because the liberation is happening in action right now right 
the space of Oromia is being liberated. Um, And so there is nothing to say that we can't be building Oromia, you know, step by step now. And that building is what isn't like dramatically shifted or changed by, you know, a vote that happens at the end of this process. Rather, that vote is like, is, is, I don't know, it's just something else. I don't know what it is, but it's something else. It's the people deciding something else. Guys, I don't know what that something else is. I, I hope that that made a little sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that made perfect sense. And I think that framing that you provided is so extremely important um, and really exposes the supremacist and elitist sentiments that underlie that sort of criticism, so to speak, um, that people who have the lived experience of being within that empire because politics isn't just something abstract politics is people's everyday lives it impacts and influences people's everyday lives politics exists to determine what people's everyday lives look like Mm -hmm. so to make the argument that the lived experiences that these people have isn't sufficient education enough to be able to know what they want for themselves, for their families, for their communities, for their nation, is ridiculous. How can they not know? They live it every single day. Yeah, I completely agree with both of you. And I mean, even in the West, as we all know, like the dismissal of voters as uneducated is like the oldest voter suppression trick in the book, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think to like kind of flip this question around or like revisit the question, I think for anyone who is more concerned with the lack of voters' education than with the lack of voters' rights to decide what is best for them. You know, the focus needs to be shifted to how we can how we can empower citizens to be able to decide for themselves in a way that mm. makes sense to them and is authentic to their lived experiences, as you said, Jalango, because like you said, the issue is not that people are uneducated. The issue is that they have never had the opportunity to freely discuss and debate these ideas um, and explore what they know through their lived experiences in a political context and in a practical context because the Ethiopian empire is silencing them. So Jal Ragatu, as you said, I mean, ideally and hopefully, alongside you know this type of referendum would be a like some type of um education campaign or something to you know give that like political context and like that terminology to be able to contextualize what people already know what people already mm-hmm. can see for themselves in that political language so that they can determine you know what is the best option for themselves as citizens absolutely absolutely so um this final question i think um speaks to some of the um comments you made earlier Jalragato, about building from the ground up and constructing uh governance in oromia um that uh is um uh, resilient enough to um, remain intact um, when 
such a choice or a choice uh, within a referendum is made. Um, so practically speaking, through what process do you think a referendum could be organized and held securely with maximum participation by the Oromo people, um, and especially given the ongoing war in several regions across Oromia right now? Um, yeah, it's probably the most important um, thing to consider in imagining a referendum or, again, any large-scale political events uh, happening in Oromia is, like, how's it practically safe? How's it practically, how's it feasible, right? Um, and even before, uh, even before we get to a point where there is no prospect of being assaulted by, like militarily assaulted by the Ethiopian state, because let's say that state is clapped or its militaries become redundant for whatever reason. Um, even before that happens, we have an invaluable resource in Oromia uh, in the form of this growing armed struggle uh, in uh, Wobo or the Oromo Liberation Army. Um, that is like it's an existential need if we're considering the prospect of people safely gathering in public space en masse across, you know, across all of Oromia. Um, the one mm -hmm. essential thing that needs to be in place is that we can protect those people leading up to uh, the vote, during the vote, after the vote. Um, and there is the, there is, I guess, the context where, where there is, and again, there is no capacity for the Ethiopian military to intervene in that because it doesn't exist anymore. Or, uh, even if it is still, it is still able to, to exert some power, um, if it's still able to, like, assault you in Oromia, that you have uh, a force that is well and truly capable of of protecting that 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 physical space um, over a sustained mm. period of time. That's the most essential thing. Uh, yeah. If we're talking about a referendum that's happening counter to states' wishes, and that we imagine will always be counter, that there is no way to come to a middle ground where they'd let that happen and they'd say, fine, we're not going to try and stop it, right? If we imagine that that's never going to be possible, then the referent, that public vote will always happen counter to the wishes of the center, of the Ethiopian political center. So um, if that's the case, the most essential thing is can, can we protect ourselves leading up to such a process? And as we were saying before, uh, Jalmaro and Jalango, like, it's not just a one-day event, right? It's... Um, it's defining the question, it's community consultation, it's people gathering and, and discussing and debating ideas, it's, it's organizing. I mean, I, we got a little bit of a view of what that can look like at a grassroots level when we were talking to the two organizers from in the, in the Catalonian context, right? Um, and they were describing very, very practically that, like, you know, it's, it's getting ballots in place, it's uh, organizing spaces for people to come and vote. So... Um, these are things that on a day-to-day -day basis can be obstructed and people can be harmed for participating in um, if, if you don't have the capacity to secure your space. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I also, I think, again, 
what we were talking about a little bit in the other in the other question about like the 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 position of the vote the vote itself and the power that vote has uh, over what happens to that society kind of is relevant here too in terms of considering security and because when we think of a referendum we think of it happening over uh, like again the people that make up that nation that society all participating at once in it right that's what that's what a referendum is mm. um, but if we're if we're thinking if we get to a point where we're thinking beyond Oromia's freedom being only in the sight of creating the state that's the, that's that being if we're thinking beyond that being the most essential form of our freedom right uh, and that there might be other forms of our freedom leading up to that point if that's if that's what the people decide that they want to get to right and those other sites of freedoms being like again locally across every aspect every part of Oromia people are making decisions about their daily lives free of interference mm-hmm. from dominance and that in itself is a really if that's a we're considering that to be a really important side of freedom the idea of a vote can be reimagined in those contexts um and how so again this speaks to security because we just don't, there are so many variables that we're not we don't know like where they're going to fall we don't know what's going to happen to the ethiopian the ethiopian state is it going to fall is it going to stay in place we don't know what's going to happen to the ethiopian military we can make assumptions um because you know there is information for us to assume upon um and it might look like it's going a certain way but there's just no way to know for sure right and so again rather than thinking i mean it's an option like it's certainly a way to think about it that we wait until all of Oromia can be secured and we all have this vote at once and then we move forward. But another way to think about it is like right now what's happening is free- freedom is being created. Like there are significant parts of Oromia that are for now liberated. Uh, and in those spaces, what are the things that can, what, what are the things that people can do to start to form the foundations for this future decision in a way that um that again that that society's already sort of built um and i'm saying this because like in the context of the security i'm really trying to bring it back to the context of the uh, context of the question sorry in the context of security the 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 most pressing thing to security is again being able to secure all of Rumi at once so I'm, i'm just thinking that if work is happening in this time leading up to our eventual and an inevitable full freedom like as a body of land and as a body of people um you know if people are finding new ways to organize their interests and communicate their interests like laterally across Oromia um we can create definitions even in the now right mm-hmm. um and that is that's still important yeah Yeah, that's so interesting that you brought this up, Jal Ragatu, because one question I had in the back of my mind as we were kind of going through this conversation is, okay, so in some ways, right, if we're talking about how we need this free political space to be able to safely and, you know, properly have this referendum, it's kind of, we kind of are looking at it as an end point. But in a lot of ways, 
I think a referendum, even if it's an incomplete referendum, an imperfect referendum, do we think that it has a role as part of the process, as part of the process of reshaping what we think, as part of the process of, for the first time, allowing citizens of Oromia to actually decide on paper and say what it is they want? Again, even if it's incomplete or imperfect, um, you know, so these are like, I think, really interesting questions. And how can we look at this referendum outside of, you know, a specific set vision that we have for it in like the ideal context? And what could it do for us, you know, even if it's not the final destination, can it be a tool for us to get to that? you know, maybe even more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important consideration. Uh, And you brought up Jal Raggato, the um, approach uh, that they took in uh, Catalonia. um, And I believe that was episode 24, uh, where the ladies from Catalonia joined us to talk about how they executed um, the referendum that they held. Uh, in regards to whether Catalonia should remain part of um, the Spanish state or not. Um, and you're right, Jalmaro, in their context, they very much used it as a part of the process rather than, uh, you know, position it as uh, an endpoint. Um, so I think, yeah, most definitely it can be really useful in that manner because, um, you know, for them, it triggered um, a lot of cascading events after that. Um, so um, it's uh, it's definitely a worthwhile thing to consider, you know, using it as a means to an end rather than an end in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also um, in regard to this particular question, it would be really uh, important to mention the uh, Oromia Regional National Transitional Government um, that has been established to address exactly these questions, um, to create uh, that sort of robust uh, governing structure um, throughout Oromia uh, that can take on the role of facilitating self-determination and that can facilitate an election and um, provide the security um, that the people of Oromia, the citizens of Oromia would need to be able to uh, take part in a referendum, participate in a referendum and express their will uh, for the Oromia region. So um, as you were mentioning earlier, Jal Raggato, about you know, the importance of um, building up towards that endpoint step-by-step, the ORNTG is well underway um, in regards to creating the governance structures in Oromia um, that would be necessary to um, execute the will of the people once the people have been able to express that will. Um, so I think, you know, we set a lot of things in motion uh, to be able to to bring us to that end point of achieving our liberation in whatever form that the people of Oromia choose. So um, I think we're in a, in a positive and encouraging space right now, um, as much as that may not always be evident uh, because of all the um, harm and destruction that's also taking place in Oromia. Um, 
but uh, practical steps forward are being taken all across um, our nation, all across our lands. So uh, good things are happening. So on that note, um, I'd like to take us on to uh, the next portion of our episode. And this is something that is actually going to become a uh, regular segment of uh, our uh, podcast. And uh, Jal Ragatu is uh, actually going to be a uh, regular collaborator on this particular segment. And this segment will be about updates from the Grassroots Support Network, which is a diaspora support network um, for organizers um, on the ground back home in Oromia. And uh, this is a network that works in collaboration with the Walabomu Coalition. Um, so, Jal Ragato, I will hand over to you to tell us a little bit more about the Grassroots Support Network and the updates that you will be providing for us as a regular segment on our podcast. Thanks so much, Django. Um, super excited to be able to share this with uh, your your platform and your like the Team Free Oromia's listeners on a regular basis. Um, so the Grassroots Support Network is uh, really, I think the name kind of describes what it is in a lot of ways. It's uh, our attempt as a, as a group, as um, the group Wolabuomo, to create uh, a way for the diaspora community outside of Oromia to simply support the work of organisers back home um, in really practical ways. Um, so we call it Grassroots Support Network because we want to create an ongoing sustainable uh, support network very literally to support grassroots work mm-hmm. um, so that's what it is let me give you the updates for this time so we're just gonna every time we come on here once a month for just a couple of minutes just gonna share a couple bullet points um, of things we feel first of all that we can share uh, and that uh, we feel will inspire this support network to grow um, and mm-hmm. to invest more in the work that frontline organizers are doing in Oromia. And also to get an idea of what that looks like, right? Um, we have a really vibrant and consistent picture, I think, of the work that Wobo is doing, and they really are our front, front line. And then there is an ent- mm-hmm. a, a line backing that front line, um, you know, that are not necessarily armed, but are doing uh, essential work in facilitating literal freedom. So so we had a fundraiser. So this is me going into the updates. And by the way, when we do this um, in the coming months, it might not always be me that you guys hear from. It can be somebody else from the Wallabamu Coalition. Uh, so just a heads up on that. So yes, we had a fundraiser uh, that was facilitated and led by uh, actually Siade, who is... Uh, who is organizing also with Wolabomo. Um And so we sold, uh, we sold T-shirts out at Osfana. Shout out to uh, anyone and everyone that bought one. I know Jal, uh, Jal Moro, you bought one or two, I think. <laughs> um, so we raised just under a thousand USD there and we've got about half of those t-shirt, T-shirts still, still to sell. So please look out. Uh, on Instagram, uh, on our page, and actually Team Free Oromia, which we'll be collaborating with to sell those the rest of those T-shirts to raise the rest of that 
uh, money for this fundraiser. And the aim for those funds was to support um, very logistical efforts of these young organizers across Oromia. Uh, so, you know, you're talking about like, being able to travel for meetings, being able to document work, being able to, um, when we say document work, like, you know, it's when we talk about what the movement looks like in Oromi, it looks like these young people. Um, it looks like our armed struggle and it looks like these young people. Um, but they're not often, if ever, really, uh, especially of recent, of the last few years, they're not the uh, forefront image that you see and they're not the forefront stories that you hear. Um, so some of these funds will go towards resources that will allow uh, them to document really their, their daily lives because their daily lives is this struggle, is this organizing work um, that we'll be able to hopefully share in different um, mediums and through different modes of storytelling. Um, the, so another thing that happened over the last couple of months, um, young organizers were able to identify people in the community who were collaborating with the government to essentially give over uh, young people who were either participating in struggle or not participating in struggle, really just, uh, yeah, just, just facilitating the assault against young people in Oromia by the government. And they were able to uh, conduct like a public call out and a call in of these uh, people in the community. Um, and yeah, really halt these efforts, which was pretty, pretty, pretty brave. Like, I mean, not pretty, but very brave, um, and effective. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, you know, another example of some of the things that happened over the last couple of months is, you know, mass leafleting across, you know, over 800 households, uh, where there is a real call to action for people to stand by the armed struggle at this point in time. Um, and what we, what is really exciting to see right now is, you know, some of the previous divisions back home that existed uh, amongst, you know, young people in terms of armed struggle, non, non-armed struggle or peaceful struggle, these really don't exist anymore. There is such an integration happening. Uh, and we're also see you know, we're also finding ways to support that integration, um, uh, you know, amongst these different modes of struggle and, and, and you know, see a sense of collaboration happening. Um, so this is, this is what you'll be hearing from us. Well, not exactly this, but this is the kind of information you'll be hearing from us, uh, you know, once a month for a couple of minutes. So it'll just be, you know, small bits of information. There's also, you know, the need to take into account, you know, what, what we see and what we hear that we can share, right? Some of, some of the things that are happening a lot of you know liberation movements have to have to happen in a clandestine nature mm-hmm. but it's so, also so important that people realize like young people are moving and they're working every day uh, and we want to be able to support that and one of the ways that we can support that right now is to buy a t-shirt so that we can get them more funds mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then you know in the future there there will be other opportunities and other ways to support um Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Dalragatu, for sharing that um, inaugural update from the Grassroots Support Network. And we very, very much look forward to being able to share with our listeners on a regular basis um, what uh, organizing efforts are taking place on the ground, what young people in Oromia are doing uh, to mobilize themselves and mobilize their communities to take the struggle forward. Um, and, you know, hopefully provide ways to support that effort as well. So this is very exciting. 
So on that note, uh, that concludes us for today. Um, but before we go, um, we of course want to hear from you, our dear listeners. Um, you can call us and leave us a message to tell us what you think about our conversation today or anything else that you'd like to let us know about um, on uh, our hotline, which is uh, plus one, if you're calling from outside the US, um, 430 0727 and of course you can also reach us on our social media platforms dm us leave us a voice message um we can be found um on our handle at team free Oromia on twitter and instagram and you can also find us on facebook and um, just search up free Oromia. um so yeah that's that's it for today so thank you very 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 much Jalragato, yes, for joining you. us um, and sharing um, so many insightful thoughts um, on the implementation of a referendum um, in Oromia on the political future of Oromia uh, and also for sharing with us about the grassroots support network so thank you immensely yes, it's been a pleasure you. to have you always a pleasure to chat with you and uh i think everyone can tell why we keep referring to you as a visionary because yeah <laughs> it'd be like that so thank you yeah <laughs> absolutely oh it's been such a pleasure to be here you know, it always is it always is um this has been a lot of fun despite our tech hiccups it's it's happened we're here now it's been great well our listeners won't know about any of the tech hiccups because we're going to edit all of that out so i know that's right (laughs) 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 uh, exposed us a little bit there but it's okay it's okay we don't mind our listeners knowing a little bit about the behind the scenes Oh, it's good. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Um, but yeah, all right. So thanks, Jalagato, again. Thanks, Jalmaro, of course, as always. Oh, thank, um, you. thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll uh, see you, gosh, every single time. We'll see you, we'll hear you, whatever. You get what I mean. In a couple of weeks' time, listeners. I feel like it's less creepy to say, see you. It is less creepy to say see you. Yeah, because we true. definitely won't hear them. But like see you is just no. like socially, <laughs> you know, it's like a social norm to say. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. So we'll stick with that. We'll stick with that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, till next time, listeners. Bye. Bye-bye. Nine, you make a